Hey, we are in week two of the great gift exchange. You ever been uh, invited to one of those parties where they said, okay, it's a $20 limit, and, uh, but they weren't clear on whether it was like a white elephant or a real gift? And you know what I've noticed? The person that always goes for the fake gift, you know, the white elephant one, don't invite them back. Like you, you want to get the, like the regular one. But I, I remember when I was, I don't know, I was about 17, and my older sister, Terry, it was the first year that our family had swapped names, you know, like, like a $25 deal or something. And uh, she called me about a week before Christmas. She said, Chucky, I'm so excited about your gift. The boys picked it out. At the time, her boys were like four and three. And, uh, and I, didn't, I didn't process that real quick, but uh, Christmas Eve, we'd all gather around the fire, you know, everything's happening. And Terry's like, you're going to love this gift. And I'm, I mean, I'm pretty fired up, you know, and I'm tearing this bad boy open. And I notice it's a belt buckle. That's about that big. And it is literally in brass, the letter C-H-U-C-K. And all I could do was look at her and go, well, how about that? <laughs> I'm not wearing that, nor have I. I just wanted to let you know. But in case I ever forget my name, I bet I could find it. And so, you know, we, I made sure for the rest of her time on earth, she didn't draw my name. I always wanted to get her to draw my other sister's name you know, because it was much easier to do that way. But today, we're talking about a great gift exchange. And last week, it was stress for strength. Today, it's our mess for his message. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life I make the biggest mess of my life. I mean, I can totally destroy a good day. I can totally mess up what, I mean, I can get it where it's just ridiculous. But I want to make sure that you know, not every exchange comes out bad. I mean, there are some exchanges that work out pretty good. A dude in 1989 bought a $4 painting, and when he took it out of the frame, because all he wanted was the frame, he found one of the 24 original copies of the Declaration of Independence, and he sold it for $8.14 million. If you're that guy, how come you haven't tithed yet? I mean, I, I want you to know, I, this is one of my favorites that we found. A North Carolina guy purchased an 1800s photo at a flea market in 2011 for $10. He took the picture to get it appraised and came to find out that the picture included Pat Garrett, the guy that killed Billy the Kid, and Billy the Kid, and it was Billy the Kid's last known photo while he was still alive, and he sold that little picture for $5 million. I know what you're doing this afternoon. You're going to a flea market or you're going to your parents' attic looking through those old black and white Polaroids, all right? But now I, I find it interesting that there are times that I've had the privilege to go to a lot of different museums around the world. And you know, I, 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 I love art. One of my favorite gifts of all time was when Jenny gave me uh, painting classes. And, and it's amazing that I, we went to a studio an artist by the name of uh, Larry Smith in Duluth. And uh, Larry, when I got there for the first painting, I said, I said, Larry, I, I, I can't draw. I can't paint. I can't do anything. And he said, okay, good. Just sit down and I'll show you. And I said, okay. He's a little, little rough, but all right. So I sat down and he said, uh, do you know how to use a pencil? Yep. Do you know how to use a ruler? Yeah. He said, you can draw. Anybody can draw. And sure enough, over the course of time, I painted several things and I, I looked at it and I thought, huh. That's pretty cool. Now, Jenny's a great painter. I mean, she can just take paint and throw it up on a, you know, on, on a canvas and it works out great. I, I've always loved art. But you know, when I think about art, I think about what it is to take nothing and make something 
out of it, to take a blank canvas and a few dots of, of paint and make something. Or if, if you're the kind of person that can sit around and you can mold clay into something, I just find that stuff fascinating to me that you can make something out of nothing. Well, uh, I believe today, one of the things that I believe the Lord wants to give us as his message is this unbelievable picture that we are a masterpiece. Now, it doesn't matter whether you looked in the mirror this morning and thought, boy, that looks pretty good. Or if you looked in this morning and thought, hmm, that's not good. Either way, I want you to know that God looked at you in one perfect and wonderful way. I mean, he made you into his perfect masterpiece. He, he made no mistake when he made the wonderful you. But now, oftentimes, we just take what God has given us and we make a mess out of it. And then we look in the mirror and we just think, what's wrong with me? Have you ever been in one of those places in life where you thought, I never thought I'd be here? Or be someplace in life and you think, gosh, I thought I'd be further along than that. Or maybe you're in the middle of a mess in your life and you thought, how come I get, keep getting back in this mess? What is it about me that keeps getting me back there? Well, from, from the beginning, God shows us that he is an artist. And what we know is that in Psalm 19, verse 1, the text begins to give us a picture. The heavens tell of the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. I mean, this text is laying out for us that God, our creator, is not just creator, but he is the master creator of all things, that he created all of heaven and all of earth. And when he made you, he made no mistake when he made you the way you are. Now, you might look in the mirror and find all kinds of flaws. I mean, I'm now 60, and I, I've got hair that's showing up in the wrong places. You know, I mean, it goes underground, and it comes out in the weirdest places. And you know, guys, don't laugh. It can happen to you too. And so in the middle of all this, what I know is that as we grow old, we start looking in the mirror, and it's like, man, that stuff is dragging more. I've noticed that my earlobes, I'm going to be the person they sing that song about, do your ears hang low, do they wobble to and fro? Because you can tie them in a knot, and you can tie them in a bow. I mean, my grandpa, by the time he died, seriously, a big wind came. He was out of there, you know? I mean, you can flick those bad boys. It's ridiculous. This getting old is for the birds, man. I mean, you know what happens? We all, we all give way to gravity sooner or later. That's just crazy. But you know what? God looks at you, whatever age you are. You might have looked in the mirror this morning, and you just thought, Lord, I'm just the biggest mess. Well, listen to me. The heavens tell of the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. And in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created. He started weaving a message of your life all the way back to Adam and Eve. Five words into the Bible, we see God is artistic and God is creative. And according to Genesis, he created everything. There is nothing that he has not created. In Genesis 2, 7, you can read, and the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. And the man became a living person. God acts just like an artist, doesn't he? He acts just like a craftsman when he takes worthless material, the dust of the ground, and he breathes life into it. And he creates man. And after that, he says, I don't want that guy to be alone. I'll create woman. And together, God has created a wonderful and beautiful masterpiece in your life. And maybe you're like me and you can look around at life and say, man, it doesn't feel like I'm a masterpiece. It doesn't feel like, like God has got me on this pedestal. It doesn't feel like I'm his favorite creation. Well, you know, the beautiful thing is no matter what mess you've made of your life, you're still considered by God, your creator, as his masterpiece. You may have collected a little dust. 
I mean, you may have covered up the painting a little bit with some old paint. You may have spilled grease on it. I don't know, but I know this, that there has never been a moment and there will never be a moment that God has not looked at you and said, that's my kid. I love my kid. You know, our six daughters, we, we, they're, just a, they're just a mess. I mean, we got drama going in our life non-stinking stop. I mean, it just, it just won't go away. Y'all ever live with stuff like that? I'm sure you don't. I bet your family is just ideal and perfect and nobody gets whacked out about anything, especially you. I mean, you got plenty of money in the bank and the holidays aren't stressing you out. I mean, you're doing pretty good, aren't you? Okay, so you're as whacked out as we are. How about that? Well, if you think about this, the, the master craftsman knew exactly what you needed this day and he knows exactly what you need between now and the first of the year and he will have everything you need for the year to come because he has not missed anything. The dust of the ground, he created us. But you know, it's interesting. So mankind at the crowning point of God's creation and knowing that we are his masterpiece, we've been placed on this earth that God created and given some instructions, one of which is recorded in Genesis chapter two. Beginning in verse 15, the scripture says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and care for it. But the Lord God gave him this warning. You may freely eat any fruit in the garden except fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. Now, you know, it's about this point in the story of creation that, that many people will stop and they'll say, Chuck, that's why I don't read the Bible and that's why I don't go to church because all it is is a list of no's and don'ts. But the fact is that the text that introduces how to be obedient to Christ begins with permission. It starts off by saying, you can have anything you want with a simple warning except that one tree. They had the whole garden. They had everything you can imagine. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to go to the office. They didn't even have to wear britches. I mean, they were just out there having a big time. I mean, they were loving life. And all God said was, don't eat from that tree. And what is the one thing they said? I'm going to eat from that tree. You know what happens? We're still eating from the tree. I mean, at this point, what happens is they stepped into this one simple warning. If you disobey me in this one area, you'll die. And sin came into the world and we are in the same mess. We're in the same mess with, there we are with a mess in our life. And sometimes I feel like my life gets shattered into a million pieces and often it's because of something small. There is a visitor to a British museum and in this museum, they had a relatively high uh, windowsill and there were three Chinese vases there that were about 300 years old. And they've got this on video. You can find it, you can Google this, an ABC News online, January 30, 2006. This dude is walking through the museum, falls into these vases that are priceless, shatters them into a million pieces and listen to what his report of that was. He kept pointing to his shoelace and saying, there it is, that's the culprit. But you know what? He broke it into a million pieces, something that was absolutely priceless. And people came together to build that and repiece that all back together. But you know what? It's just like the glass or just like something of value in your home. No matter how good the super glue is, you just can't hold it together. I mean, you can't even do it with flex seal and flex tape. You can, I mean, you can get in a boat that's made out of glass, according to that dude, but you still can't fix everything where you don't see it broken. I can imagine the complete embarrassment. 
I can imagine the horror of breaking something priceless like that. There that masterpiece was turned into a major mess. And from masterpiece to mess, it's just like our life. We fall into stuff all day long. And what happens is we choose to make a mess of our life. And you say, but Chuck, you don't know how big my mess is. Well, I, I bet God does. As a matter of fact, I'm confident he does. In Genesis 3, beginning in verse 1, God's masterpiece, mankind, you and I, turned into a major mess because of a moment of carelessness and disobedience. And while Genesis 1 and 2 are words that are inundated about creation and artistic beauty, the words in chapter 3 offer Adam and Eve's sin, and it turns into a ruined masterpiece. In verse 7, it said that they felt shame. In verse 8, they hid. In verse 10, they were afraid. In verse 14, you'll be punished. In verse 15, you will be my enemies. In verse 16, there will be intense pain and suffering. In verse 17, this will be cursed unto you. In verse 18, you will struggle. In verse 19, you will sweat. And again in verse 19, this will happen until your dying day. What ruined the masterpiece? What ruined God's extraordinary creation? God created the heavens and the earth. He created man and woman when he finished creating the heavens and the earth, he said, that's good. And when he finished creating man and woman, he said, that's really good. And in doing so, we took that beautiful masterpiece, the message that he had of peace on earth, and we turned it into a mess. According to Paul, as he wrote in, 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 in this beautiful book of Ephesians chapter 2, that we are helpless, that we are dead in our sins, that our masterpiece that we were in Genesis 1 and 2 turned into a royal mess, and Paul exposes us to be hopeless and helpless messes. But God calls each of us to leave the mess of our life and take on his message, meaning he considers you his masterpiece, no matter what mess you've made it to be. But what are the first two words in Ephesians 2? But God. Isn't it good to know that no matter how much you destroy the masterpiece that God has created you to be, no matter how aged you become, no matter how sinful or selfish you are, he has never looked at you and not thought of you as a masterpiece. Every single time that the Lord is there and waiting on you to awake, he calls you to come follow him. Come follow me. Come chase after me. We will do great things together. Would you do me a favor and pull out your cell phone? Go ahead and pull out your, your phone. Go ahead, really. I mean, it's okay. Pull in your pocket or your purse or whatever you got your phone. Open up the camera. And would you get that camera to flip around so you can take a good selfie? Maybe y'all are really good. You get enough arm length out there you can get. If you want to do one, you know, somebody you're here with. And I mean, you know, some of y'all are going to do, do this one thing. We learned this from our youngest daughter. Now watch this. So you turn your back a little bit. And then when you turn around for the selfie, it's like this. I ain't kidding. I want y'all to try that for me. Turn your head like, men, I'm telling you, I'm going to call you out if you don't do it, all right? Turn your head a little bit, and on three, we're going to come around with prune. You ready? One, two, three. Prune. It is amazing how many of y'all just did that. All right, so this time, we're going to do it one more time. When you get around, I want you to take the selfie of yourself. All right, you ready? One, two, three. If y'all don't post that today, you're sissies. I mean, come on. That's good stuff. Now, I want you to look at your picture, and I want you to be able to say this one thing. I am a masterpiece. Let's try that. Look at your picture and say it with me. I am a 
masterpiece. All right, let the person next to you see your picture and repeat after this. They are a masterpiece. How many of y'all just lied? No, listen, God absolutely makes you a masterpiece. He loves you to such a degree that he let his son step into this filthy, nasty world so that you could recognize that he created you to be in love with him. He didn't zap us in love with him because he wanted his creation to fall in love with him. He loved us first, which lets us know that we are to love him. In Ephesians 2, listen to this. So God can point to us in all future ages, meaning eternity, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus, God saved us by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward from the good things we've done. That can't happen. So none of us can boast about that. In verse 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I wanna give you three super quick declarations before you go today. The first one of this, listen to me, friend. You are timeless. You were created to live for all eternity. Now, if you hang around here long enough and, and I hang around here long enough, I might preach your funeral but you were to hang around here for about 40 days preaching and teaching and then go back to heaven and sit beside God the Father at the right hand and create a home for all whose belief, why, why would we ever not, not want to take that? I mean, that's taking my biggest mess and saying, I want God's message of redemption and him coming together and say, you get it because you asked for it. God made you, friend, to be timeless. No matter what's going on with your body, God made you to be timeless. God made you in such a special way that he has a home for you. But listen to me, friend, number two, not only are you timeless, but you are priceless. You are priceless. Look at the screen and say this with me. I am priceless. Yes, you are. And you say, but Chuck, I don't, I don't feel priceless when I look in the mirror. Well, here's the good news. God doesn't see you the way you see you. God sees the very best in you. God knows every part of you. God has called you to be his own. But now listen to me, friend. Salvation in him is as simple as asking. Those women last night that gave their life to Christ or Mario last Sunday listening to that sermon, you know what they came to understand? That God, the creator of all heaven and all earth, sent his son, Jesus, to die on an old wooden cross for, that his blood might be shed to pay the price of my sin and your sin. And once buried, three days later, he arose from the grave and he's now sitting by heaven, and he has a greater design for you. Don't settle for less. He made you in perfection. He made you a masterpiece. Claim that message. Let it overwhelm your mess. And finally, declaration number three, you're a part, my friend, of a greater picture, a far greater picture. God has for you something that is overwhelming. The text says that, for we are God's workmanship. The Greek there is poinema, and so when you look at that, you say, well, what does that mean? It means a poem translated into English into a masterpiece. God is weaving a poem in your life right now. The story of your life is God's masterpiece at work within you. You are not 
made by mistake. You were not made imperfect. You were made in total perfection for exactly what God wanted you to be, and he made no mistake when he did. I want you to look at that picture. I want you to look in the mirror, and I want you to be able to have with great humility the recognition that, God, you made no mistake when you made me. I mean, my, all this stuff's drooping and falling off my life. My hair is going out. And I, but, Lord, you made no mistake when, when you made me. He, he made you perfect. But that's because he's more loving, more gracious, more giving than we would ever be. Because there's nothing in our mess that would keep him from saying, but you're still my masterpiece. Come on home. I, I want to build a frame around you. Friend, you're a masterpiece. Your creator said you're a masterpiece. Your savior died for you and his Holy Spirit will continue to brighten and clarify your masterpiece as we grow to be more like him. So today, don't you want to trade your mess for his message? Yeah, me too. Let's pray. God, I believe there are folks in this room that would say, Chuck, I'm tired of chasing after anything or everything. I, I want to claim that message for me today. I, I don't want my mess to keep me from receiving God's message, and God, would you step into my life and forgive me and clean me up? God, I believe there are folks that would say today, Jesus, come live inside of me. Give me a new life. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead as payment for my sin. And I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you, just like Mario Man, just calls us to get on our knees and say, God, I want to trust you in my life. I want to take my mess and let you turn it with your message into a masterpiece again. And if the desire of your heart is to say, Jesus, step into my life, I want to live for you, just raise your hand so I can see who you are. I want to be able to pray for you. Amen. 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 Yeah. So, God, we're grateful that the message you have for us is that you made no mistake when you made us, that you made us to be a people in love with you. You created us to be men and women that would recognize your goodness and your love, and we might worship you because you first loved us. Lord, for folks at 9.30 and folks here at 11 and folks at home watching online that said, I want to take Jesus today, God, would you, would you speak into their life? They'd have the same conviction that Mario did to follow Jesus and believers' baptism and just be able to live for you and let this be their first real Christmas. Lord, we trust you and love you. It's good to see what you have done in this place. So as you, as you call us and as you continue creating in us your masterpiece, your poem, God, I pray we'd be a people that love you and trust you like never before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Would you stand for a moment? And I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to let this Jesus we've talked about, this Messiah that has come, let let him go before you and make a way and make a crooked path straight. Man, that's what he does. I want to urge you to let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And maybe you're here today and you're already stressed out and maxed out and a mess because of everything that happens in the holidays. And I would just say, would you hop on his back? Would you get on the back of Jesus and wrap your arms around those big, strong shoulders and let him carry you through whatever the mess is, not around it, but right through the middle of it. 
only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so that you can hear him say, as you see him eyeball to eyeball, and you hear your Savior, your Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, you hear him say, my child, say it with me, I love you. Man, swap your mess for his message this day. God bless you. Go in peace.